Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Where to hunt Where podcast. To hunt it's, it's, okay. It's, okay. it's okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bow Hunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. It's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. Howdy, and welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is, <laughs> I'm not going to mess it up this time, it's February 18th, 2020, and I'm your host, Eric Clark. Thank you so much for coming back to the show, and thank you for some of the new reviews that have come through on iTunes. Um, I just love seeing that, so it, it means a lot to me. Thank you very much. And this week on the show, um, we covered a topic that I think most folks are just going to bobblehead their way through this one because it's super relatable. We talk with guest Byron Horton of the Whitetail Experience. He's do, he's uh, been doing a lot of work with some video videography for themselves, but he also does some work for the Lone Wolf Custom Gear guys. And uh, you know his work is. It's really great. Him and Dave do a really good job uh, with that stuff. And we actually had these guys on, both of them, Dave and Byron, back on episode 55 of the Where to Hunt podcast. And uh, that, uh, that episode was Limitations of Public Land Hunting. So these are public land hunting guys. Um, you know, Byron's done, again, he's just, he's a neat dude. I'm, I'm excited to talk to him on this week's episode just because he's, he's really grown a lot even since episode 55 uh, with us back then. And so I don't remember the date on that one, but, um, you know, Greg had reached out to him and he's like, yeah, guys, I'll jump on. And so, you know, we need a guest in a pinch and he was kind enough to take time out of his busy schedule to be here with us. Um, I think we talk about some mental toughness aspects you know the why of hunting like why does he hunt obviously we we cover the memorable hunt and uh you know how he does the video work and what that looks like and how it really comes together um and just kind of who they are and and what whitetail experience is all about so that's this week's episode i'm trying to think if there's any other updates i have um we do have still a full can of guests and uh, kind of coming up on the docket, what is today? I just said it. Today's the <laughs> today's the 18th. So next week is the 25th. Um, and next week we have HHA Sports coming on as a guest, Chris Ham. And then after that, we have... Oh boy, I think that brings us into March. I'm not sure if we have a guest for March 3rd. I think that's my birthday, so we're going to front end load that one. But then going into the second week of March, we're bringing on outdoor taxidermy. Um, And then March 17, we're talking to the Woods and Water Project. March 24th, 
I think we're going to be talking to the guys over at Boga out of Michigan. So, and then I think we even have some going into April, but I'll stop it for there. So good lineup coming up. Um, you know, we do this every single Tuesday and we encourage folks to tune in. We did just finally start streaming to Instagram now. So every Tuesday we're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and now Instagram. Although the Instagram feed, because it's a, a vertical view, um, it doesn't look as good. And I haven't tried turning the phone sideways, so I'm not sure if that would fix that or not. But we're there. So we're officially there too now. And so every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time to 8 p.m., we'll be live and ready to take your calls. This is your show. We want to hear from you. We want to hear the reviews come through and the ratings, but we also want to have you guys calling in. Um, we think that we could tap into the knowledge base of the collective hunting population and the average hunters um, that make up the listener audience. That's who we want to hear from too. So that that being said, um, let's get into our recipe of the week. The recipe of the week. The recipe of the week is brought to you by musket powder. Completely cover, then add a little more. Camp tested. You hear that? That's the sound of tastiness. All right, this week's uh, recipe comes from listener Carl out of Wisconsin. And uh, I don't have a name for this one, but we will say it's in spirit of St. Patty's Day, which is, you know, kind of around the corner. So, um, and in fact, I think so in his message, he said in spirit of the advancing St. Patrick's Day. Uh, this is a tried and true venison recipe and it's guaranteed to please or fool even the most ardent venison hater. That is one heck of a uh, vocabulary, uh, Carl. I appreciate that. Um, he said, seriously, it's everything good about corn venison without hardly any fat. He said his kids love it. The recipe comes from his mom, although he's not sure where she stole it from. Um, so, and he doesn't doubt that she invented it from scratch um so no offense to the origin of this one it's just what he grew up with that being said the ingredients are two to three venison roasts shoulder rump whatever you have and two quarts of distilled water a half cup canning and uh, pickling salt a half cup of tenderizing salt uh, for example morton's tender quick and uh, three teaspoons of sugar two tablespoons mixed pickling spice two bay leaves eight black uh, peppercorns, like the whole ones, and then one or two cloves of garlic minced. And the directions seem to be pretty simple. Um, place the roast in a large glass or pottery mixing bowl. Combine the remaining ingredients and then heat to boiling. Remove it from heat cool and then pour cooled brine over the meat. Cover the bowl with plastic wrap and then refrigerate for four to five days, turning the meat occasionally. Drain it and then rinse it with um, some cold water. <clears throat> to prepare uh, the corned meat, place in a Dutch oven and then cover uh, with cold water. Let me see, I'm getting everything here. Heat to boiling, drain, and then cover with cold water, heat to boiling, reduce heat and cover, and then simmer until tender, three and a half to four and a half hours. So quite the process on the back end of that, but I know that <laughs> when you put in a little bit more effort like that, the result is gonna be extraordinary and that does sound really good especially for a st patty's day meal so carl thank you so much for sharing that you are going to be our winner of the week for some musket powder we did get one other recipe this week um but carl yours was selected so we'll we'll uh, park the other one and uh, share that one next week that one looks really good too and very excited to share it so thank you everybody for continuing to submit your recipes for the recipe of the week let's go ahead and get into our interview 
Right now it's 7.01 and I've done nothing productive. Hey folks, we're live. Um, hang in there with me. I'm just doing one thing real quick and I promise it should be worth the wait. Um, You're not going to make me sing, are you? Yeah, I will. Just to entertain everybody. Sing, bear, sing. Um, <laughs> so, okay, we're going to get started. I'm going to work on this on the side here, but before we kind of get into everything and bring our guests on and all that good stuff, uh, we're going to call out our sponsors, which is what we do at the beginning of the show because we love them because I think most of them feed us. Well, they definitely what? feed your caffeine habit. That's for sure. Right. So caffeine habit, whatever you want to call it. Um, habit. Whoa, whoa. Hey, we don't have any of those. This is uh, not one of those. Okay. Backwards Grind Coffee <laughs> feeds our caffeine habit. And if you go to backwardsgrind.com, you will notice their website smells like coffee. Delicious gourmet coffee. I brew it every morning. It's one of my favorite parts of the day. And um, I like the camp house. I've tried the fireside. Fireside, high noon. I, ha- I can't remember if I tried the high noon. It's not bad. I might have. <clears throat> the fireside definitely has some more grit to it. Yeah. It's... The camp house is a little bit smoother. Yeah. I believe. Yep. But if what we're talking about interests you in any way, you can go to backwardsgrind.com. And you can enter in code W2H podcast for ten percent off. So that's pretty neat. How neat is that? That's very neat. That's very neat. Um, we like to say that Greg and I have switched boots. Um, at least if you're here in the Midwest, in Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Minnesota, whatever, um, they're really good for early season. They're excellent for early season. So they go up higher on your calf. Um, some of the, the one model zips. It's called the Royal Zip. So we're talking about gum leaf boots, gum leaf USA, gumleafusa.com. And they're just a higher quality boot. I think they're 85% natural rubber. Um, they're super comfortable, super durable. They have a Vibram sole. Yep. That's Vibram the sole that grips like no other. Um, and I got to say that just that 85% rubber that they are made out of, um, very soft, very supple. Soft and supple, huh? Is that a good thing to say on this? I don't know. That's one way to describe it. Um, weird. So then, you know, if you want to save 10% off of their boots, you can go to gumleafusa.com and enter in code W2H2020. And then our third sponsor, um, we call out in a separate segment, but it is uh, musket powder. Can't shake it enough. Um, it's a seasonal, so it's um, homemade, camp tested, and it, it's really good. Like we've been putting on everything in this house. Yeah. Um, some things that aren't food. <laughs> what? I'm just kidding. No, you just got weird. Of course I did. So, no, it's really good, and if you want to try that out, so actually we do a recipe of the week every week, so if you submit a recipe, you have a chance to win, but if you want to just buy it outright because you love it um, and you want to see what it's all about, you can get a BOGO if you go to musketpowder.com and enter in code W2Hpodcast. So that's our call-outs for the day. Uh, we got a guest on the line hanging out with us here who I believe also loves gum leaf foods, actually. Mm-hmm. He certainly does. Yeah. We got Byron Horton on the line with us with Whitetail Experience. Byron, what's going on, dude? Hey, you guys. I uh, really appreciate you guys having me on and uh, excited to be here. Excited to talk on it. Hell yeah. We're happy to have you. And I did fix the Instagram thing, so it's official. Well, that's good. Cool. All while I was doing sponsor call-outs. So everybody gets to be even more Insta-famous than what they are already. <sighs> Fun stuff. So, Byron, you've been very busy. We've had you on the show in the past. Um with your partner in crime, um, Dave, right? Yeah. Yeah. Dave, Mr. Yeah. David Ebright. I'm just terrible with names, so I'm afraid that I'm going to say the wrong name every time. I think I've called Greg Jeff a hundred times. Uh, you've called me more than that. 
Honey. Wow. <laughs> Byron, um, you're out of Ohio, right? Yeah, yeah, out of uh, Columbus, Ohio here. And that's uh, that's kind of, uh, oh, that's where I do most of my hunting. I, I do dabble a little out of state, but yeah. Rock on. And so you tell us about whitetail experience, kind of set the frame for us, set the, paint the picture, do some broad strokes. So anybody sure, that's not sure. familiar kind of gets to know yeah. who we are. Tell us, tell us maybe even how, what made you decide to do this? Okay. That's yeah. The quick that's elevator good. speech for, for whitetail experience was, um, there you, go. you know, I, I, uh, I had actually started really hunting with Dave post-college, um, started hunting some public land, uh, started hunting together and, um, you know, we, we, we kind of started having a, a little bit more success as far as knocking bucks down and, and getting on higher caliber deer. Something that I, I kind of look back at what stemmed the whitetail experience was I personally didn't have really a father that hunted or a hunting family. And I was straight up tricked by the industry. I, I felt like uh, I had to buy products and that's how I killed deer. And um, I didn't feel like there was uh, uh, the best outlets out there showing what uh, an average guy do to, to, to get a buck down and uh, speaking on, on guys that, that should, should go through that evolution process. Uh, I, I used to pass a, a decent amount of what I call 90 to 115 inch bucks when I had no business passing them. Uh, uh, especially if I look at what I was, where I was hunting and, and what gear I had and the knowledge I had, I should have been shooting those deer and learning from those experiences. And so, you know, we kind of said, let's, let's make a run at this. Let's, let's film these hunts. And, and that kind of, oh, is, is obviously there's a lot of people out there that want to film, but it kind of has evolved now into a brand based around, oh, public land hunting, mobile hunting. Um, we've got a pretty strong YouTube channel with, with, oh, anything from tips, tactics, uh, quick video podcasts on, on different topics related to mobile hunting to a couple um, short videos, films, um, and stuff of that nature. And it's kind of just spiraled now. And, and now I'm kind of doing some photo video work for a few companies in the industry, um, which has been a huge blessing. And, and, and I just pinch myself that, you know, I've had dinners with uh, the DeQuistos, the you know, literally the considered to be potentially the goat of bow hunting. Um, so, so that's kind of a quick elevator speech on me and, and the background and what I'm working on now and what I got going on. So it started kind of evolving. Like you've been at it for a little while and you've just been kind of doing your thing. And now suddenly you're doing more and more and more of it and doing work for other companies. Um, how did that kind of come take shape? Like, what did that, what did that look like for you? Uh, were so, you just like super stoked and like, wait, what is this for real? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Um, so I, I obviously got started a couple of years ago doing whitetail experience, just kind of, Oh, building a small video photo brand here in, in, in the space and, um, really didn't have super high end equipment at the time. And, and, uh, but you know, my, I was kind of, uh, evolving my craft as a, as a photo, photographer, videographer. I got a call um, from a, a local bow shop guy that um, sold XOP tree stands, and, and, and I had met Cody one time before that, um, 
as kind of a fanboy, I actually asked him to take a photo of me and him. I bought a, an XOP silver, and anyone knows how how old that stand is. Uh, kind of that, that that's the kind of time frame we're talking. And the year later, um, they asked me, "Hey, he needs help at a show. You are are you free? Could you could you sell you know mobile tree stands? Just kind of giving a quick sales pitch to people." And I said, "Sure, I'll, I'll go rub elbows with you know Cody. Like that's a I guarantee you, I'll learn something about killing big bucks." And, went down there to the show and, 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 you know, kind of worked the show and he actually kind of pulled me aside and was, it was kind of checking out my Instagram and some of my photography. And he's like, Hey, like we, uh, you know, XOP is trying to grow. It's, it's market space, uh, kind of, you know, improve on its social media presence. And would you want to come out maybe to Iowa, um, and do some of this stuff? And, and, uh, that first trip, I remember I was, I was nervous, like I was shaking, but I filmed the uh, Quisto story, which is out there on YouTube. It's 20 minutes, kind of tells the evolution of um, Cody and Andre and, and how Lone Wolf Portable has evolved into, you know, what the story is there and how XOP plays a part and now how custom gear is born. Damn, dude, that's really cool. You always wonder yeah. how these things evolve, and it's never – an overnight thing. It takes a lot of work. Like if you didn't do everything you had done with white, white tail experience leading into that trade show, like that wouldn't have happened. Right. And exactly like hours on YouTube, learning how to edit and uh, playing with my camera every day, writing down manual functions and what they do on a note card. And that sat on my desk for six months, you know, little things like that. Cause I have a day job. Like that's not my, I still have a nine to five. Yeah. And it's interesting. A lot of us in this industry do. Right. And I think a lot of us are trying to get out of that as, as much as we'd like to think we can, you know, it's, it's not easy. You know, we had Mark Kenyon on a couple of weeks ago and even he started that same way, you know? Yeah. Everybody's had a pretty humble beginning. We've all yeah. had to bust our knuckles on something to get our start someplace. Sure. And, and and a lot of people come and go. You see a lot a lot of people film for a year, and then they realize how how much a pain in the ass it is to bring a camera. Or somebody starts a podcast, and then they drop twenty episodes, and then it just kind of fades out to one every month, or even you know, it's just it is a grind. It is a labor of love. Your dollar per hour is terrible in this industry. <laughs> what dollar per hour? <laughs> and be a negative over here. Yeah. <laughs> no, trust yeah. me. You know, it, it's very much there. Yeah. That's funny. No, it's it's good to talk to folks that appreciate what that hard work is like and, and what it's like to really kind of break into the space. You know, you've you've started to make a, a name for yourself. You, I'll tell you what, like when I see your stuff, you're super relatable. You're very likable. Your demeanor is great. You and Dave put out good content and you really put out quality content. You actually provide practical advice, but entertainment too. And I, the way I look at content, for me, it's really only two buckets. It's either going to be practical or it's going to be entertaining. I either want some utility out of this or I want to sit back and laugh about something. Yep. And you kind of bring a little bit of both of that. And that's not easy. Like the, who's that, Manitowoc Minute guy, Charlie Barons, and yeah, the You the Betcha, Betcha guy, guy. they're all um, entertainment. There's no practicality to them at all. No. You know, and then you got guys like um, Deer Hunter Podcast, and he's mostly practical, right? He's talking about tactics and gear. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're funny here. Some people might think we're funny, like make fun of us funny, but we're not, not we're no comedians. But you've done a good job of bridging both those worlds, and, and you and Dave have a really co a really natural connection with, with each other. I mean, it comes off really naturally. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he'll say it. He's the talent. 
I, I, I'm the video <laughs> guy. He, 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 he's the talent. Now, he does bring a, a very good, relatable, funny guy uh, aspect to it. And, uh, oh, if you look at uh, the hunting we've done in the last five, seven years, we've got enough bucks down to hopefully bring bring that guy who's who's trying to evolve the, uh, you know, maybe um, – bounce ideas off off our, our kind of followers and, and who we're communicating with. Maybe somebody can pick up something that, that allows them to, to be a little more successful in the woods. Um, I really look at, like, the guys getting out of college or, or just getting into the trades that, that, that are now going from – they can hunt a little more. They can, they can scout harder because they don't have some of these other priorities pulling them in other directions. Like, those guys that want to kill deer, I, I would hope that they could look at – a product like um, like a lot of these podcasts, like like this podcast, like like the Whitetail Experience, and, and kind of quicken that learning curve. Um, that, that that's kind of uh, what we got, you know. That, that's kind of the direction we're taking. Sure, and I most certainly think that that is the case too. That podcasts and all the the uh, saturation of information that's available to us um, have really shortened the learning curve a lot. Uh, probably within the last five years even yeah yeah and there's also the the growth of the fake expert who can recite stuff <laughs> on podcasts but doesn't have a uh, uh the bucks on the ground to really speak about that um, sure there's no shortage of those guys out there either so that's it that's an interesting point so like i'm one of those dipshits that doesn't have a big buck on the ground but i also don't claim to be an expert and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you don't you know, claim and, it yeah, wow. right, and that's it. So that's the okayest mentality for me is, hey, I'm only okay at this, but this is a learning process, and I'd argue that I've learned, I don't know. I mean, it's one thing to listen to podcasts. It's another to, like, intimately listen to people every single week. Well, and then take and apply it, too. <laughs> and trying to, right? And and I've certainly seen a big, um, a fairly dramatic increase in, like, how close I'm getting to that success and starting to taste what it can be. Um and boy, oh boy, if I had more time, I think I could really close that gap. But um, I've been making a lot better use of the time that I do have because of what I've learned. Even Greg and sure. I, this last year, we, we cut into a property and I was thinking about a certain way and, and Greg validated that with me. He's like, no, we're going to go in this way. And this is where I think at this time in the season where we can go. And we got real close. I could have shut dough. You know, that's neat. But, you know, we were after hmm. something else and uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, was, yeah. And you, you you said shoot a doe like that's nothing, dude. I, I, you're still going through that final 10 seconds of bow hunting, and there's a lot to be yep. learned there. I feel like one of the biggest mistakes in my bow hunting career was, um, oh, age 22 to, to 26, 27, I wasn't shooting does with a bow. I was waiting until gun season, I'd shoot them with a gun. And sure. I'll be honest, that, that's a lot of bow archery practice of final 10 seconds that I kind of kind of wish I had under my belt. You know, I look at yep. that as a... Uh, that's the best practice you can have uh, minus obviously something with antlers that maybe gets your heart pumping a touch more, but yeah, there's still, you can still learn a lot from trying to pull back on a doe. That's not very mm-hmm. far away. And Oh, that's thrilling. Time. I was like, how did she get in here? Like if I wasn't looking, I wouldn't have seen her. Right. You know, and even if I, w- I was looking, I still could barely see her. I was like, what the hell? Um, it was pretty cool. She just kind of slipped right in there. But it was, you know, for me, it's always great to see a deer because you need to visualize what that looks like in the natural world when you're in the wild. Like, oh, okay. I always say they do exist. 
Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you laugh like uh, that's something that, you know, I, I, we talk about. Like when you see deer on public land, because um, I do a lot of my hunting, probably 90, 95% of it on public land. Like you see deer, that's a good day. You see deer inside a hundred yards or fifty yards, you're in the game. Like that's a, that's a good day. Uh, you know, I go many assists um, in a season where I don't see a lot of deer. Actually, I, I if I look at this October, I did not see a lot of deer from the stand. I saw a decent amount of deer while scouting. You know, either jumping them or um, just on on the ground, if you will, and and. Yeah, seeing deer—that's that's definitely part of the game, especially you know, Eric. I know you spend a decent amount of time on public land. Yeah, that's basically the only place I spend my time is on public land. I just don't have access, and not to say I wouldn't take it if I did. Don't don't get me wrong, I'm not like that, and I don't think there's that much. I think they both have their um, there's some give and take. Like, yeah, there's who was I talking to, Greg? It might have been you. I don't remember. I was talking to someone this last season. They're like, oh, I'm hunting private property, but the neighbor just decided to start blasting off rounds. Yeah, that was me. I, I He's had like, so private's piece. got its problems too. Yeah, <laughs> I have a small piece, and the guy decided it was time to, you know, file off the site on the AR and see how, how many <laughs> rounds he could the fucking AR. burn yeah. off into the thing and, and just make all the noise he could. I saw three deer before before he decided to start teeing off and making brass rainbows all over the place, but it it shows you that there is problems no matter where you go and it's always depending on other people when you can burn a private property quickly yeah right depending on the parcel size and and public land there's so much of it burn 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 baby keep going yeah and i think some of the deer on the property are even used to certain areas getting sent through them Mm -hmm. you know they know that if they cross this one trail where humans are always crossing we're probably not going to do it until after dark or early in the morning or when there's a lot of cover in summer when maybe we don't smell humans as often. Yep. So, yeah, yeah it, it's all got its problems um, yeah. if you want to look at them as problems, but you can use those to your advantage too. Yeah. I personally, like my family owns 18 acres. I'm the only one that hunts it. And that kind of pushed me actually to start hunting public land was um, – if you told me I had one day to kill a doe, I'd probably hunt that public or that private piece. But if you said go kill a buck in the one thirties, I can't say that's the piece for it just because of uh like you said, external factors. I just don't don't have a lot of trail camera or visual history of, of bucks in the one thirties on, on that private land. So that's kinda where I started um hunting public more. You know, I, I kinda wanted to, to get on to a, a higher caliber of deer. Um Yeah, the opportunities were greater. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So for me, that's kind of why why I started hunting and trying to evolve that public land game. Really, what was it for you? Because you've gotten some some good looking deer, and I'm not saying like. So first of all, I really love that you said very early on that you kind of got duped by the hunting industry. Can oh, you talk so, about that a little bit more? Yeah, like I can remember, I was in college, and uh, I just started getting into hunting. Like we're talking crossbow and a borrowed uh, like overall onesie and uh just ate up with deer hunting like like i'm talking i would uh, me and a buddy would go paintball hunt deer in like 10 acre woodlots in the city like we would go in there with like ghillie suits and paintball guns and we would still hunt and stuff and 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 try and tag these deer with paintball guns um i just i was obsessed with it but like 
I would watch, you know, the outdoor channel, um, whether that be at home or one of the dorms actually had a cable package with the outdoor channel. So I'd swipe nice. in and, and watch. And I'd be watching Lee and Tiffany and the Drury's slam these giants on food plots. And I had to, I, I, I thought I had to shoot Rage Broadhead. I thought I had to, what was it, the, the, the Carbon Express Maximum Red Yeah, that was like the only area you could shoot. I thought I had to spray my clothes down. Matching camo was necessary. Um, Tink 69 was going to give me every booner in the county. Um, it was just, I really thought products and hunting and, and, and hunting like those guys was how I killed, you know, it was how I killed big bucks. I can remember I passed a, uh, I'd, I'd gone into a piece, climbed up a, a, a thing with a, with a junk $90 field and stream, 30 pound climber. And I had a 115 inch buck at, at 20 yards bumping does. And I passed him because I was going to this private land for the next two days over the weekend and i was going to hunt this like kind of field edge type setup and i was like i'm going to shoot off at 140 like i had no business passing that deer but i was just so tricked by watching outdoor television that that i thought there there was no value in shooting that that 115 inch buck hmm. and that would have been the biggest deer on my wall at the time that's so, fascinating you know, marketing I'm, at its finest well they got how, me i wonder how this stuff is eroded their margins right or their ability to do that because less people are watching cable right we had a guy on from the sportsman's channel a couple weeks ago michael yeah. Lee was, and he's like dude i don't even have the sportsman's channel and i was like i'm not even sure you should be saying that out loud on a podcast <laughs> but that's the reality and and look at how we just talk about how easy it is to learn and accelerate that learning process and kind of shorten that learning curve by listening to podcasts watching youtube i have to hope that folks are less duped by that stuff these days but it's oh, starting to play out in this space too, right? Look at us pumping out yeah. coffee and everything else. Yeah, you know, coffee and we're not as big as some of the other players that are pumping out, you know, some of the other bigger brands out there. But no, hopefully that means that they're good, right? Because there's trust in the podcast community. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it, I think it's different. I think there's enough people showing and voicing how to really be successful at whatever level. Um, that you can find it out there, even if it's like a like let's say you own a twenty acre piece or you got permission on a twenty forty acre piece of of private land. There are podcasts out there with guys specifically talking or videos out there on YouTube showing like you know on a twenty forty acre chunk and it's October thirteenth and it's like seventy degrees. The best thing you can do is probably not hunt your piece. You know, like th there's information out there now to if you're trying to maximize whatever style hunting public private wherever that if if you want to do it you can find the real details of how to get it done i i think you know when when it was just outdoor television in the mid 2000s early 2000s whatever it is you you know it, that the the painted picture of the, that outdoor television was not the grind of of hunting you know so many days and finally they kill a good buck um, it just wasn't there. I, I just thought you hunted three or four times. And if you had the good property and you, were, you had those nice food plots, that's how you killed them. Yeah. And that's just, I don't know, not how it actually goes. And I think that creates kind of a similar um, component to what social media does. Now it's, you know, for us here in Wisconsin, it's a Wisconsin rut report and you can't go to Facebook during the hunting season and not see insanely large animals getting shared to this group of people 
big buck down, buck on the ground, da 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 and you see this and suddenly you're like, oh, no, I'm not adequate. I'm not. Why am I not doing that? What am I doing wrong? And so that same experience you'd have on TV many years ago, of, well, they hunted three times. They must be so good. Why can't I do that? I must suck. And now you're seeing that play out on social in a different way, I think. And so it's yeah. good to talk about this just to help people understand, like, that's not reality. And when you have... No hundreds of thousands of people on one group, you're going to see stuff and it's going to appear like everyone's getting a deer. But in reality, that's not true. No, no. And, 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 and hopefully there's enough other real either day to day showing the grind, um, you know, showing what's done in the off season, showing like, you know, how people have, have scouted, you know, a hundred miles in the timber from December to March. And that's how they killed a, a good buck. Like I, I hope, you know, social media does kind of slant your view of only the positives and like, you know, the day they find a shed. And, but I hope there's enough, you know, oh, showing kind of the backstory to how, how, how everything lays out. I, I hear you. Social media is only a, a glimpse in, into what, what's going on. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's why I liked your video so much is you told a longer story and I get it. Like, Getting a buck on camera and getting the kill on camera, that's the money shot, right? And some of the other stuff is like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be a real shot, so I need to see some guy walking through tall grass or, you know, walking putting up on a up camera. His, yeah, putting up his tree stand, doing all that fun stuff, checking a camera. It's part of it, but at some point people want to see that money shot. And I don't know, I hope people appreciate the other stuff too. You know, I, my mantra is like, Maybe not mantra, but what I what I love is when you sit still in the woods and you let the world move around you rather than driving down the highway at 70 plus miles per hour, constantly moving, constantly going from this to that, to this to that, checking your phone, blah, blah, blah. And then when you get out to the woods, finally you go into slow-mo mode and you get to see the forest come alive. That's a part that, you know, I enjoy seeing captured from folks doing it that way um, and then telling that story, which I think, again, you've done just a really good job with. I think you get it. Yeah. This past yeah. video, some of those shots that you took were pretty awesome. Well, thanks guys. I, I do, I do appreciate. And, uh, you know, that, that, that video also laid out. <laughs> we talked about that a little bit before the show that you kill sure. a buck late in the rod. You can show the grind. You can show the it sucks factor. I tried to, mm-hmm. I tried to incorporate, you know, showing a couple shots of carrying that stand in and out because that that's, that's what I got to do. Um, you know, right. show a guy staring at maps at 2.45 in the morning before he leaves because that's how you kill deer, you know? Like, okay, the wind's actually a little more north today instead of northwest. Does that affect where I'm going or what I'm doing? Um, yeah, I, I I wanted to, I, I, you know, if, if, if truth be told, I, 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 would, I would put a 15-minute film out and 10 of that would be like, scouting, 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 five minutes of a grind of the rut, and then I'd kill something in the last minute, and then I'd probably take another 30 seconds to show all the dragging out, because that's also a huge part of that process, but yep. you, you know, you can't show 10, 10 minutes of scouting that's just not sexy, but you can show a, a little bit of that. Yeah, it's like baseball, right? Like 90% is boring as shit, but you're, <laughs> when that action pops off, it's like, oh my god, this is exciting, but seeing your old baseball game, there's a reason we get drunk and eat peanuts. You know, <laughs> like, there's a reason, you know, we have a lot of snacks in the woods, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, snacks. you know, and drink the night before. Um, 
It's funny. But then you see the highlight, highlight reels. Like, oh, man, that must have been a great game. You're like, yeah, it was great when those things happened. But, you know, unless you have an appreciation for the for the sport of baseball, like, you're not going to enjoy a lot of stuff. Unless you have an appreciation for nature and being in wild spaces, you know, you're not going to appreciate that. And and folks should. I think that's the – you talked about earlier. You said seeing that doe, that's a bonus. And I agree. I think seeing a deer is always a bonus. Being out there is oh, – yeah. um, you know, a privilege and seeing a deer as a bonus and getting one's, you know, food in the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I always like, you know, nine out of 10 hunts, right. You, you text your buddies or you call your, your hunting partners. What'd you see? That's what you ask. What'd you see? Um, see hopefully anything? it's yeah. deer. And then you, then the follow-up question is, well, how was the buck sign? If, if you know, generally how that conversation goes with, with our group is, how oh, would you see, how was the hunt? Do you think there's other pressure and what was the buck sign? Yep. Sounds about right. I was trying to think. I was going to say something else about hunting with Greg this year, but I forgot. Oh, well. What, that it sucked or what? <laughs> oh, man. I'm throwing Greg under the bus. I did make him walk in some pretty cold, <laughs> deep snow out to the middle of a marsh that probably wasn't the most ideal place if one were to get an opportunity to shoot one. You look uh, promising. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's Tons funny. You talk about that grind. That was a hell of a hike. And then I went hunting with Connor, the whitetail drifter, um, mid-season in the driftless region. And, you know, I got up at, I think I got up like 2, 3 in the freaking morning to be in the car. And I packed the night before to be in the car by 3 so I could get to him by, I think, 5. And I got there at like 4.50. And he was already there because he was at a campsite nearby. And we hiked a hell of a ways in. And we thought we were in a great spot and, you know, we didn't see shit. And then the next day, of course, he shot a monster out of a similar area. Um, but that was like time away from my family. That was a lot of time behind the wheel by myself in a car early as shit. And, you know, we didn't get anything. And for me, it was about the camaraderie of that one and learning and hunting a new experience and learning from other folks that I think are, um, you know, a little bit more dedicated than me right now with that. And it was great, but that's that. No, I didn't document that. I'm not good at the documentation side of things, but I could have. But if I would have got something, no one would know. No one would have known that, like, you know, I'd done that much stuff to make that happen, or that I miss my kids and all that good stuff. You know. Sure, sure. I think there's, I think there's a couple of things there to touch on. One, yeah, like filming what sucks uh, generally makes for good film. Um, you know, you when you talk about that documentation process, but I think. I think you touched on a lot of like, okay, so you got up and drove stupid early and like doing, I, one of my favorite sayings is like, do what's hard and do what's right. Because like, if you want to kill like good deer public land, like kind of what you were, were chasing that day, you got to do what's hard and you got to do what's right. Like you, you, you can't take shortcuts. And, and, and I guess like my third point is like, that's like kind of like, that's hard. Right. But it's also easy to do like one to two days, but like to do that, like four all out of the time days or, or four out of five days or, you know, every chance you can hunt from say October 20th through November. Like that's, that's when I take a majority of my vacation. I take a little bit late October and a little bit, you know, first couple of weeks in November. And if I still haven't killed, then best believe I'm going to put in a couple more days around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That, but if you're not that, getting something, you're like, man, I'm working so effing hard, you know, where's my return on this time investment? And it's that, 
that really eats you up sometimes because it isn't yeah. easy. And my wife's like, oh, I wish I loved hunting. I was like, yeah, I don't think you get it. Like, it's not that it's easy to do, but I'm challenging myself and I'm trying to, you know, rise to the occasion and fulfill the challenge that I put before myself. You think I want to just yeah. go sit in the woods and suffer on some rainy day and not be with my family? Maybe sometimes <laughs> if the kids are crazy, but no, by and large, I, of course I love it. But, you know, you do that, like you said, over a course of a week and suddenly you're like, what am I doing out here? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think and, I'm the only one that thinks like that. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe other people are like, are you crazy? I want to be out every day of the year and maybe. Sure. But it's, so I, I, I find this a lot. Like it's real easy to sit there on a sunny Sunday afternoon and, and let's just call it February right now and watch a hunting show and be like, Oh, I'm fired up. Like I can, I can hunt real hard and I can kill a big buck and that's what I'm going to do. Well, when push comes to shove and it, it's, uh, you know, November 15th and you've hunted oh, 10 out of the last 14 days and, and you're running on low sleep, like, it's real easy to say get up at, at five in the morning and get out to your spot maybe a touch late and say get up at three, get there, hike into the woods, hang a stand, go to the harder location that's farther back, and just maybe it works out. But if if you, you kind of it's real it's real easy to sit there on a Sunday you know in February and be like oh yeah I'm fired up I'm gonna I'm gonna put in all that work to kill a big one and then November fifteenth rolls around and you're tired and you're you know you haven't slept much and and then then you you go on a hunt that maybe maybe is like a six out of ten location because there's better stuff you know further in or you got there late because you wanted to sleep an extra hour. I think I think that's that's not talked about uh, as much as that mental toughness, that ability to grind. Yeah, as I say, so what we're really talking about here right now is mental toughness. Right? Yeah, a little bit. And David Goggins talks about that a lot. If you ever care to listen to that guy, I... he's a fucking maniac. But you can take a fraction of what that guy talks about, even if you follow the 40% rule to like, you know, a fraction of that, you could do the 10% rule and you'd still be better off than you are currently. Um, yeah. Talk about mental toughness. We, Good thing listen, he's not a deer listen, hunter. He'd put us all to shame. <laughs> dude, it's so funny because mental toughness, yeah, is what we just described and talked about. And yet, have you ever heard that subject talked about on hunting television? No. You no, because they're, they're uh, no. you know, they, they've only sat out there for a little bit of time. Oh, it's raining today, but, you know, we're in this blind and we got our, our Mr. Heater here and we're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry if that was really stereotypical. Yeah, it was totally stereotypical. <laughs> no, it, 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 I mean. For that. Yeah, you will. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, but you're not wrong. Um, but, yeah, mental toughness is not talked about enough, I feel like, in bow hunting. Um, in so many aspects from from – practicing to 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 hunting to what's your yearly regiment like mental toughness i feel like is definitely something that separates people mm-hmm. well i'm too stupid to know the difference i just want to keep going to the next hill i've talked about this on other shows and you know i go hunting my dad in the nicolay national forest and it was so serendipitously like well, let's just go over that next let's just go over that next ridge and that kept happening for miles, I'm like, for fuck's sake, I'm not going over another damn ridge. I can't do it anymore. But then curiosity would strike. It'd be like the same thing fishing a river in a canoe. Well, let's just go down one more bend. Yeah. Let's just, well, let's just do the next bend, the next bend. And so we would do that. And next thing you know, we've hiked so far. But it wasn't because we're like, we're hardcore. It was because we were curious and thirsty for adventure and learning more. 
And as a result, the byproduct was, yeah, I guess we hiked really far. So we were just a bunch of idiots. Um, and, and I think you don't have to be so quote unquote hardcore. I think that's great. And I love to use that as a motivation tool. But um, for me, it's like, oh man, if I fall into something, if I get sucked into some mud hole or fall over, like that's just more for the story for me. And it's fun and it's miserable at the time. You're like, God dang it. I just yeah. dropped this. I got poked. I'm like, you know, my eye is bleeding. You know, I can tell you if you and I went to that spot that I took you in to summer? in October. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, well, this is where I draw the line. Mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, better, yeah. All, the, all the deer flies that are uh, in there. Yeah, see, I'm a baby, man. <laughs> but I did the bounty hey, waters and, and it was brutal, man. But I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And Greg, you're like a, a swamp hunter and like the the bug factor, the like like trudging through like colder water once you get to like what I'll call like mid October. Like I think that takes some mental toughness to, to keep hunting and, 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 and you know, yeah, getting after yeah. it. But mental toughness or just, a good one. or just a dumb bearded guy thing. Um, <laughs> you know, gun season, I had a whole crew with me. We were going to push a spot and I don't know if I told you this story or not, but like we had to go through a real wet, patch of timber and some years it's real dry and it holds deer this year obviously was not the case but i spread these guys out and i was gonna flank around and go up from that timber so i could be a stander well i had my stand my rifle my sticks all my crap on my back and i'm sinking in the muck and then i get to this spot where i'm trying to cross and get on there's there's a high bank there's a berm that takes you to the north and I looked at it and it's cattails and it's wet. So I started walking and as I took more and more steps, it got deeper and deeper and I was crotch deep in ice water. And then I got into the cattails and then it was nothing but ice. So I'd try to stand up on the ice, I'd break through. So all you're doing is post holing through ice and it's freezing and my legs are all cut up, but they were numb. I couldn't really feel it. So, yeah, we do some dumb shit and we put ourselves through things and call it mental toughness or stu- stupidity. In the moment, you're like, yeah, I well, hate my life right now. Yeah, I, but I got people counting on me to be out on this spot and I'm not going to make them walk all the way out here because it was a hell of a walk from the truck to sure. get back there. And guys, I'm not going to crap out on one out? We didn't pick anything up. It was, no. it was, it was garbage. Um, okay. I felt terrible for walking them guys out there, but you know, half of them knew that, you know, the possibility of getting something may have, may or may not have been good. And for the most of all, most of it, two thirds of them were good sports and we all had a good laugh and there, the other few were just kind of pissed off. Well, I climbed a sheer cliff a couple of years ago during gun season yeah. thinking I was going to drive deer and like, it took me probably two hours and some serious concern for my life. Yeah. Going up a Both for like fear of bluff. actually falling and dying, but also the thought of like cardiac arrest. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what am I doing? You know? Yeah. And I was stuck. There was no other way to go than up. I, at that point, I was like, I got to keep going. Yeah. And by the time I got out of that, you know, crotch deep ice water and onto the berm and walked another 400 yards to set my stand. So I'm setting a stand. My gum leaf boots are full of water. They're, you know, just walking along with like fish tanks on my feet and, you know, put two sticks up, got up in there and, you know, they pushed through and no deer. Does it eventually feel warm in your boots when you have water? It did. What's that all about? I don't know. Your body just warms it up enough, but it, 
it didn't didn't fare well. I had wool socks under too, which mm-hmm. helps. You know, cotton's a killer, so go with yep. wool instead. Um, but it it was a lot of effort for no no reward other than the knowledge we got of hey, when it's this wet, there's no deer in here. Don't go over here ever again. Sure. And if I mention this spot again to that same group, they're going to be like, no, you're <laughs> no. fired. You're, you're yeah. out of here. We are not going there. Michael uh, Liebelt, who was here last week, just commented, crazy tall grass on public kills me with how short I am. Yeah. You know, is there any dew I can, I might as well, you know, um, fall into the river. That canary, is it the canary grass, that like lumpy grass where you yeah. fall into even? My hip flexors after wading through like that crap, garbage, don't they? I'll take anything else other than that shit. I'll do it, but it's like it's a lot of it's bog. My gosh, you're you walking get, on the I high spot so much. I'm surprised I haven't ruined my bow from falling on it ten thousand times from doing that garbage. <laughs> no, I hear you. I mean, uh, but but you got you're like it sounds like you were doing what you know you're doing what's hard. You're doing what's right, like. I feel like that kind of effort is, is is what kills public land bucks, or you know, that's that's just what you got to do if you want to get it done. Yeah, and what do we name this guy, Gary? I don't know. You you put a name on him. I never I named my gear. So Earl, I don't remember. Yeah, we'll just change every week. Earl Earl was uh was a hard drag back, but that and he was a distance from the truck. So yep. yeah, I mean, again, doing the right thing, following. Going out there, looking for a different spot, finding sign, fresh sign, doing what I felt was right, setting up on it, and it paid off. Simple as that. Yeah, what are some of the yeah. most fundamental things you've learned, Byron, as you kind of um, moved up the ladder towards some more mature animals? What what really kind of um, were the things you'd point to as, this is a game changer for me, either mental or tactical or gear? Um, I would say, I would say the time frame of December to March, um, at least on the public land, it seems like when, when you're able to scout and put in, uh, yeah, putting in the time there, that, that, that's what's killing deer and not necessarily looking for, I don't find a lot of sheds, um, so it's not necessarily about picking up sheds, but scouting, learning ground. Um, I think that that has been a big lesson in, in what I uh, what I do and, and being successful. I would say um, not spreading myself too thin has been a, a learning curve. Uh, you know, I used to even even probably five six years ago, I wanted to to hunt these like six to eight pieces of public land and. And, and I kind of have dialed that back to about three, three to four, um, and I would say three dominant, and, and two a little more so um, are, are kind of my regulars where I'm like, yeah, and and really just kind of fine tuning those areas and, and rescouting them, but also uh, you're pretty in touch, I feel like, and, and you're not trying to be everywhere at one time. I think at one point in my hunting career, I was trying to be everywhere at one time. Um, obviously the power of first time sits, um, I look, um, I'm looking here I'm sitting down here in the basement. I got a couple, couple deer on the wall and, and most of those deer on first time sits, that's a second time sit. Um, 
and 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 not necessarily like having the best mobile hunting gear, but when I when I went from a $100 climber to like a $280 climber, that that was like, oh wow, now I've got a Cadillac. Like I I said at the time, I was like, I hope somebody steals my bow, not my climber out of the back of my truck. <laughs> like I valued that thing way more. It was a it was oh I don't even know if the brain's around anymore. It was a tree walker. Um, I remember I saw it at the Deer and Turkey Expo in, in, in college, and I, I just I couldn't afford it. Um, but I said, the first year I, I get a little money uh, off of a day job, I'm going to buy that thing. And that, that, that you know, really was, wow, this is, this is lighter. It packs nicer. It functions better. It goes up and down the tree way better. Um, that thing, you know, was, a, was, was definitely a game changer. And obviously now you've got the stand and sticks and, and uh, you know, that's, that's all, that's, that's part of it at this point. But I would say those those are my three big takeaways is is you kill deer in December to March. Um, I'm trying to improve on my in-season scouting game. Um, I've killed, I feel like the last couple deer have been off-season scouting meets an in-season scouting decision on where to go, what, what to be at. Um, I'm not the best at that, but that's a high area as far as like my areas of improvement. Um, so, yeah, you kill, you kill deer in December to March first time sits and then don't spread yourself too thin. Hmm. I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. And mm-hmm. I like that you have enough self-awareness to know where you think you're going to have to improve upon. That's pretty cool too. And I remember, I recall about a little over a year ago, you and I talked about that. You were, you were expressing about all these cool properties that you thought might have good potential. And there was quite a few that you were kind of naming off to me and yeah, man, it sounds like you might be spreading yourself too thin. You know, I would just pick a handful and yeah. you, you know, you kind of, I don't think I really gave you that advice, but you think that's the idea that you were leaning towards, you know? It, well, you had come back pick, from the infault workshop. Yep. And I was yep. picking your brain on what you'd learned on the in, in like, yeah, you know, being there. Yep. Um, and being there, you know, what, what Dan infault even had put out there too was, look, I got all these spots and I, I won't be able to make it to all these spots. I'm going to pick the ones I think are, you know, the highest percentage spots and go to those. But if maybe mm-hmm. I can't get to one of those, I have other spots I can go to. So, yeah, I mean, it it was definitely some some good advice for sure. Yeah. And I also have like an ace in, in, in David Ebright. I'm, I'm going to just call him out because the fact is I can tell Dave, hey, go look at this pin. And whatever he tells me when he gets back from a scouting mission or a hunt, dude, I will, he could tell me to, to do X, Y, and Z, and and, and I'm going to go do it because it's like a second pair of eyes in the woods. I trust him with his opinion to assess deer sign because we've spent so much time doing these scouts and, 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 and looking at maps. And, and, like, I have somebody who is um, – because we, we can't hunt all these locations, you know, or we can't – we can't hunt every day like some guys can. Um, no. But there has been times that Dave and I have used each other to to create an opportunity, whether that be looking at maps together or he gets a visual one day or uh, like I was hunting and I seen a good buck and then he filmed me. We scouted together and the next day he went in and had an opportunity at two deer. One was a one upper 40s, one was in a, a, a mid-20s buck, you know, but he wouldn't have hunted that area unless – 
I gave him some intel first, then we combined our intel, and then he went in there and almost killed a nice buck. Like, mm. it, that's an ace in the hole. So I would say that kind of a fourth to piggyback off that is like a good hunting partner or that like small core group. I'm just pointing at Greg over here. I got a good hunting partner. <laughs> you know, and, and like, you know, I'm starting to build that core group. I, I talk to Connor regularly um he's someone I, I look up to as a hunter i can just see his effort he does a good job of documenting everything and you can just see how much effort that guy's putting forth and time and energy um between him and greg and, and our buddy jeff you know and my yeah, dad yeah. um my buddy joel like i think i got a good group of guys around me that are really helping to try to get me to do something cool here yeah jeff's always willing to help and, and lend a hand and give advice and yeah he's, he's a good good guy to be around yeah yeah, and Jeff's been doing it for a while at a, at a high level, and and you're only gonna absorb little things, um, from from a guy like that. So yeah, I, I, I yeah. think that's a nice 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 he's add not, to our conversation from earlier. He, he's not a guy that's pushing, so to speak, his brand on you. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's gonna give you what works, and what you take away from it is what you take away from it, and he's always you know, there to congratulate you when you've got success or he'll ask questions, you know, what'd you see over there? How would you go over there? Or, you know, why would you go over there? So he does it in a, in a teaching way. Yeah. Which is what I like, like about it. I just like sending him my pins <laughs> or a map and be like, all right, Eric, here's where you want to go. And here's why I'm like, all right, I don't think I can make it to that point. That's crazy. Right. <laughs> I think he's just trying to like fuck with me. <laughs> I know he's helping. Um, well, dude, why don't you share, you know, I asked you early on if you could share a memorable hunt with us. Hopefully that seed has sprouted and we'd love to hear your most memorable hunt to date. Sure. Um, I would say it's the story of the climber buck. And I just look at that deer as a, um, as a, as a deer in that, that evolution as a deer hunter. I think I learned a lot of things that season that that they just have really opened my eyes to, to hunting and, and, um, you know, it was, a uh, um, if I could paint a picture, let's, let's go. I hunted this, this ridge in particular three or four times. I think the fourth time is when I killed, but three times in November, four different trees, roughly spreading about 50 to 60 yards total distance, but I was just dialing in and dialing in and you know um it was an area i'd left alone all year and if you looked at terrain plus wind tunnel plus like it just seemed like on on low wind days thermals were a little were probably a little more favorable and then if you look at say mental toughness or just the ability to grind and hunt i killed this deer on the last day of vacation which i've killed a lot of deer on my last day of vacation like like I've killed a lot of deer. I feel like that's 13th through the 15th of the rut. Just, you know, and generally I take this, you know, 7th through the 15th off just due to what I do on my day job. And, uh, you know, so, so it's, let's see here, nine in the morning, um, pretty frosty morning, November 15th ish. And, uh, I can hear a buck actually grunting on an adjacent hillside. And, uh, I don't think anything of it. I see a couple of those go into the bedding area. I'm kind of downwind on, on a pinch. And, um, I look behind me at 
oh, 10-ish, you know, probably an hour later after I started really seeing some deer. Um, and I do, I love that, 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 that late morning in the rut. I really, I seem to have some good encounters during that time. I seem to see a lot of deer. Um, I can't see deer for crap in the evenings in the rut. I don't know why, but, uh, <laughs> that mid morning to, to midday time frame I love. And sure enough, here comes a, a pretty good buck. Um, and, uh, I was able to, to put the, a shot on him. He kind of stumbled fell down the hill and I put three or four more in him um, just because I, I'm one of those people, if I can still see him and he even picks his head up, I'm going to shoot another arrow. Um, so I porcupine that deer. They, they named that deer porcupine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you just look at three or four things that, that kind of helped me as the evolution. Oh, and then I had a really shitty deer cart. So I learned that lesson that, 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 that deer cart was a piece of crap. And I, I literally could not stand i saw an ad for that 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 same company's cart the next year on social media and i bashed it like you couldn't believe because it was made to pull 100 pound does not 200 pound bucks and uh you know you 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 learn that oh man you knock a deer down in the holler it's going to take you a while to get out um but it was just such a oh a successful evolution for me and it just fed my like want to to have this experience again and 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 so yeah there's like four or five things that i really learned from that deer and just kind of really helped me um continue down the, the path that i'm on today that's a good story dude i'm excited to see if we can't you told it really well and i can hear the the film scoring of that one in my mind like someone in grumbling under their breath, piece of shit fucking cart. <laughs> and you hear some creaky wheels, you know, like <laughs> folks popping out of them. Yeah, it was terrible, man. It was like a wheelbarrow. And like, I could probably move a hundred pounds of sandbags pretty easily with that thing. But like, it was just not meant to carry deer. And I was so suckered in by it. The display, the, the they got me at the show. I think I spent $80 <laughs> on that thing. Oh man. So, so I've been asked this question to folks, and maybe I'll start, and I'm going to put you on the spot. And so if you squirm, I'm sorry. But, like, you know, why, if you had to distill it down, I have a book sitting across from Greg that's called Start With Why, and that's a business book from Simon Sinek and talks about starting with why. And a lot of people tell you, you know, how they, you know, or what they do, how they do it, um, and then maybe why, which will solicit some sort of response. So very few can tell you why they do it first, and then that goes into, you know, how. And, oh, yeah, by the way, that's the outcome. So, you know, I might ask you, you know, if you had to distill down, why do you hunt? What is it for you that gets you out there? Oh, I, I, I love the chase. I love the reward when it all comes together. I love that adrenaline dump that even just the sight of a deer, I don't even have to shoot a deer. The biggest adrenaline dump I've ever had was watching a doe come from like 150 yards to about 14 and she heard me slide a crossbow up a uh oh like a rain jacket and that was noisy and, and she got away and the deer won i mean i love like i am just ate up with that chess match of of getting on uh deer in general and, and i'm fascinated by nature and i love a sunrise like there are so many things i i i'm ate up with hunting man like I don't even have to kill deer. Like to me, it's not about that final 10 seconds, but I, I just love that, that game, that pursuit, that nature. Like I've got some sort of like primal drive. That's good. That's a great response. That sums it up for me. 
Yeah. Dude, you, you came on in a pinch. We reached out this morning, and you're like, yeah, what time? And uh, we appreciate that a whole yeah, bunch, man. Um, we, you know, you're a busy guy. You got a lot going on, a lot of positive things. Um, there's a lot of eyes and ears on you right now, and we're happy to have the opportunity to talk to you. Um, have you come to any Wisconsin deer shows? Um, TBD. Uh, we got a couple projects in the works um, that I may end up that way at all. It all kind of depends, too. Um, but, no, I, I really uh, appreciate you guys having me on. I, I really like uh, a lot of what goes on with with your podcast, the public land focus, the the the, the learning and teaching and, and um, you know, highlighting my film. So so you guys have just really, um, you know, I, I, I enjoy this kind of conversation. It was a good one. I mean, it was it was loose, but that's fine. You know, we don't have to. Yeah, it was so regimented to hit every bullet point of a discussion or something like that. Like, it's nice to have that flexibility and that elasticity of a conversation. And I think this one, if nothing else, was highly relatable to a lot of folks for a different, a number of different reasons. If you can't relate to this podcast as a hunter, then fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That was the scotch. I'm just, uh, no, but really, there should be a lot here for folks to just kind of nod their head to. I picture people just being a bobblehead in their car to this one. Yeah, and you found sure. the bottom of your scotch glass pretty quickly, didn't you? Yeah. It's just, it's not even that I, I mean, so I like the scotch, but I just like the activity. This could be water. It'd be the same difference. I just need to be doing something. But this scotch, again, I can't pronounce it. What's it called? Osh- can, oh, wow. What does that say? I'm not even going to do it. Auschwitz <laughs> no. uh, scotch that you bought. <laughs> uh, Shen- what? Okay, guys, gal, look don't at the even, camera. Don't even what try the- Flip does this say? And it's not because I'm drunk, for the record. It could I can't be. pronounce this, but it's damn tasty. Ashentos uh, Shan. Mm. Wow. Do you guys drink it on the rocks, or do you drink it straight? Or oh, We drink it on the rocks, and then once I finish that, we drink it straight. <laughs> yeah, once the rock has disappeared, it's straight up. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not bad. It's good. It's an acquired we, we, taste. And, but the Dalmore, which I can't pronounce. This is good too. This is a good one. And I try to mix up. We tried uh what did we try that one time? Lafourg. All mm-hmm. these names I can't pronounce. Lafrag or Lafrog. Super I guess the term is peat. It's very peat. It was had a real heavy super smoke smoke. To it. Too yeah. smoky. So I, I found my extreme on that. I'm like, I like smoky, but that I've actually done too far. More. Yeah. A little more um, than one can handle. But we'll, yeah, we're we 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 keep trying new ones here. So uh, I really my go to is Johnny Walker Black because I can't afford the blue. And the yeah. red's just, you know red right what about you are you a bourbon guy scotch guy uh Um, what are you poison these are actually poison occasionally i will do a bourbon ginger ale um oh but that is uh most most of the time it's a beer thing see i'm with you good there too we will crack some bush lattes on the show but i've really been doing the scotch thing because because the same reason you mentioned if it gets warm i'm not doing it so I can handle the scotch at room temperature. I can't handle the beer at room temperature. I'm not drinking piss. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I gotta have a ice cold. Um, we gotta get a fridge. Beer yeah. fridge. That's the next investment after the mixer shows up. Yeah, my birthday's <laughs> coming up. I'm just putting that out to everybody. A, fr- <laughs> a, fr- a fridge is not cold. Yeah, a fridge is not cold enough. I, I want them ice cold. I like a, a cooler ice water, and the, the you know you gotta reach down in there and find them. Yep. I do like that. You're right. You're right. Bucket of ice water. You can have 20-minute cold beer if you have plenty of ice in it. Maybe we'll, yeah, we don't need a fridge. Let's get a bucket. 
There you go. Yeah, you laugh. I, I have a uh, my wife's mixing like like something you would mix up like a pancake batter in right in front of me, and I just I put three beers in there and covered them with ice. Man, cool. I didn't hear you crack any. You must have been real ninja about it. I, well, yeah, I think that's a little bit of the audio guy in me. Like I was popping them <laughs> at full arms reach away from the. Van. We don't care. We 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 want those sound effects for the show. We got to keep <laughs> yeah. it authentic. We don't we don't edit stuff out. Yeah, that's Everything but when Eric lifts a cheek on his chair. Yeah, we'll sign on the deadly. So, you know, just just as a final note, like make sure people know how to find you. Please get the plugs in. Please share how okay. they should yeah. consume your content. Yeah, definitely. Um, look at uh, whitetail underscore experience on Instagram. Uh, a lot of oh, short videos, photos there. If you want to go to our YouTube channel, that would be an awesome um, wide variety of stuff there. A couple video podcasts, a couple uh, oh quick tip tech tips like uh, how high you can get with one eighter and, and three sticks. How high you can get with an eighter and four sticks. Um, obviously, we got the big buck films there. That that we just released my 2019 film. That, like that's what we talked about majority of this uh, this podcast. But yeah, that's that. It, look us up on YouTube. That's that's where a lot of our stuff's going. Cool. And then anything, oh, I obviously do a little bit of the uh, kind of decent amount of the photo video stuff over on Lone Wolf Custom Gear as well. And I'm the editor for, for Whitetail Addictions. And so we're we're putting out some cool older episodes from back in the day. Um, that You know, those are self-filmed guys. And, and so that's kind of a little more relatable in today's world. But they're killing some big deer self-filmed style. And that's kind of cool to see. And obviously we've got a handful of guys that, that killed some bucks this year that I'll be editing and getting those out as well. Cool. Nice. That's awesome. Cool, man. Well, uh, thank you for, for being on the show. Thanks for ta- taking time out of your busy schedule and shooting the shit with us. Yeah, we re- really appreciate it. And thank you for uh, doing this last minute. All right, the tip of the week. Uh, I forgot to ask Anthony Heller for from Deervain for the tip of the week this week. <laughs> so we're going to go philosophical. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, look, I think from a philosophical, I laugh because I just know I have garbage tips. But um, I think we could all learn a little bit about just thinking about why we hunt. Why, why, why do you hunt? Think about it. What is your why? I think Byron's answer was really good for him and everyone should have their own reason. Some of us, it might be tradition, it might be legacy, um, it might be because my dad does or my grandpa does or I love the outdoors or I love the thrill, whatever it is. I just encourage you to think about it a little bit because, you know, as we talked about in this episode, some of us have been or could get or still do um, get duped by the marketing in this world from some of the bigger players. And that's okay to a degree. But if you can plot that nor- that compass or that North Star and think about your why and start to think about, well, why am I hunting? You know, like, I, I think I've said this kind of stuff before, but really just hunting for the right reasons and um, not getting caught up in all this stuff. And I think we all fall, I wouldn't say victim, but we all succumb to it in some degree or at some level. Uh, I'm certainly not impervious to it. And at some degree, maybe all of us 
feel a certain way that we need to best ourselves or do better this year than last year. So there's all this pressure all the time, whether it's from yourself, from others in the industry, from social media, from the big TV shows, whatever that looks like. Do you remember why you got into it and why you're doing it every single season? I think that helps just kind of keep it a little bit more even keeled, get yourself back to a place of neutral and um, take some of that pressure off your shoulders. So that's my tip of the week. For this week, we'll get back into the deer vein tip next week. Um, but just think about it. Think about why you hunt and uh, remember what that looks like. And don't forget it. So that's what I got for you guys this week. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't given us a rating or review, please, I encourage you to do that. It helps us uh, show up for others. And we're really trying to build a radio show for the hunting community at large throughout the country. So uh, spread the word with us. Share it. Uh, post about it. Like it. Uh, review it. Whatever. And be sure to tune in every single Tuesday and uh, become part of the show. Thanks so much. Have a great day and hunt public.